The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of hockey. It is December 19th, and it's our 46th podcast. Oh my god, of all the things that we've remembered to check, that was the one thing we didn't. (laughs) We are, we've been so good about checking it recently. We're actually the worst at podcasting. Don't listen Um, to our podcast. I'm Carolyn. I'm Marin. It is the 46th episode. Woo, I got it right! Yep. (laughs) It is the 46th episode. We can't believe it either. Um, and it's our Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Everybody Goes on Vacation episode. Woo! Um, so we talk about the stars, we talk about fancy stats, and we talk about general hockey shenanigans. Um, and there's honestly, I feel like, not a lot to be said this week. We put- I mean, the biggest shenanigan that I know of off the top of my head is Roddick Fox's girlfriend going to their ugly Christmas sweater party with a sweater that, as its main feature, featured a picture of Fox's face. God bless. Yes. She posted it on Instagram, which is how I know about it, and it was the most amazing. I'm going to make a note of that right now so that we may show it to our viewers. As you should. Or readers or listeners. I don't know. People use a sense to consume a podcast, whatever that sense is, as a verb. That's Um, what I'm talking about. By the way, Elf is only $6.99 to buy on Amazon right now. Just so you know. Um, That is my service announcement to everyone. (laughs) Buy HD, confirm purchase. (laughs) I know what we're doing after the podcast. (laughs) Uh, so we, we really honestly don't have a whole lot to talk about this week. I think the biggest topic, at least in Star in Dallas land, is are the stars finally starting to turn things around? I'll believe it when we can string wins together. That's true. Because, you know, me and, and I'm such a fancy stats nerd is like, we're finally starting to get like some upswings in, in shot attempt differentials and things like that. You get Klingberg coming back up over where he needs to be as far as, you know, Corsi and all those various shot attempt metrics. I mean, I suppose it would be nicer to lose games we should have won rather than just to lose games we should have flat out lost anyway. Yes. Um, I mean, as as far as, like, a hope for the future kind of a way, but, like, I'm not going to believe the stars are bouncing back until we can string more than two wins together, which, by the way, we still have only done the one time. And I think, well, I think part of it, though, is that we're starting to see some consistency in D pairs, or at least we were until Johnny Oduya got injured. <laughs> like, we used the same D pairs for a good three or four games straight, which was unusual. Not, not as unusual as, as uh, not shuffling forward lines. I mean, the, the deep pairings haven't been that consistent, but they haven't been as shuffled as the forward lines. No, but they have also had have no injuries. So, like, you can understand why the forward right. lines... Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. But my point yeah. was, like, the, more that the, the, the deep pairs have been shuffled by will instead of... Hmm. Instead of necessity, whereas the forward lines have a lot of shuffling. Well, I mean, how many games have, uh, have uh, Lynn... Lin- Lindel? Lindel. And Klingberg been playing together now? It feels like more than four. Yeah. 
but all three pairs were the same for basically the last four games. Whereas the other, even though Lindell and Klingberg have been together now for about eight games, something like that. Is that it? Yeah. It feels like longer than that. They were together for a little bit in the earlier part of the season, and then they got broken up again, but now they've been together consistently. Who are playing with? Everybody. It was kind of, he was all over the place. He had several games with Ham Hughes. And, um... Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. He had a one game with Nemeth. And... But, yeah. He, and he was scratched twice. <laughs> I have no problem with that. I know you do, though. Um... But, yeah. So, they've been together for longer than this. But, like, for literally all three pairs were the same for three whole games. Or four whole games. And it was starting to pay off. And then Odia got injured the other night. And now we're back to shuffling. And Julius Hawke got sent back down to the AHL. Even Where we saw him on Saturday night in the worst goddamn professionally played game I've ever seen in my entire life. It was awful. For those of you who don't know what happened when we went to the game on Saturday. <laughs> don't follow us on Twitter, which how did you find us anyway? <laughs> uh... We got there, we sat down, and I think it was about five minutes into the game, and they were already down by three goals. We ended the first period down by four. Four to zero. Four to zero. And then at the end of the first period, I posted a fun little poll on Twitter where I asked people what they thought the score would be after 40, if it would be eight zero. Or if it would be, like, if the Stars would actually score one, or, you know, what would happen. And what happened is we ended that period down 5-0. And then in the fourth, third, fourth period? What? In the third period, we scored one. We did score one. But it was only one, and we let them score another four. We left that game... 9-1. And the thing that I found funny, like, there was definitely, by the end of the game, there were Bronx cheers when uh, Bo was man- was able to stop, like, a fucking puck. But I, feel, then, I feel so bad because Legasse got pulled after, I think it was the third goal. After the third goal. And then Bo let him sit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There wasn't no, was an outrageous number of shots either. Like, it was a normal number of shots. They yeah. were just not able to stop a beach ball. Um... I mean, it was compounded by the fact that the Stars couldn't carry the puck up the net, and also we couldn't stay out of the penalty box, and, like, there were a lot of complications to that game, but, like, holy crap. And, um, by the end of the game, we were cheering when the Admirals would get a freaking goal because we needed something to be happy about. So it was so sad. I actually cheered for the top two stars of the night, which were both admirals. Both admirals. And they actually had the audacity to choose a star for the third period the third star. And I was like, are you joking right like, now? Like I get that there's like pandering to your home crowd, but like the entire entire arena was like, What? No. <laughs> no. 
like this is wrong <laughs> i somebody did tweet at me at the ad, after the game though that they um, they had heard that most of the a lot of the texas stars had come down with the flu the night before and oh had to play. now i feel bad and so like I, it was one of those things where it's like well yeah this is how i would play if i was sick i mean that, that is that is exactly i mean well first of all let's just talk about the fact that i wouldn't play at all if i was sick <laughs> i would be like lying on the ground in the the bench just like don't put me in coach don't put me in well and and so it was funny because then this the texas stars had played the admirals on friday also which i we didn't go to and it was a close game it was four three like i mean it wasn't like any spectacular the flu right at the same time in one day i mean i don't know if they all did but several of them were apparently Bo was apparently pulled out of that game because he wasn't feeling well uh sucks that they stuck him in this one (laughs) so like that's not really fair (laughs) i felt really bad that's actually pretty rude honestly (laughs) i felt really bad like there's only so much you can really do and it it was awful because like you know like you go down by four in the first period and so then like if you're talking score effects in the nhl like it trails off like the idea of score effects is that a leading team will turtle and a losing team, a trailing team, mm-hmm. will press. Mm-hmm. But you generally lose that effect somewhere around three goals. <laughs> and I could tell. And so, like, we were down by four after the first. And so it's like, well, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> we even gonna try? Yeah. <laughs> and at that point, it was kind of like, I was still paying attention to the game, but all of the tension had gone out of it. Like, I didn't... No, I, we weren't coming back from that. I, I turned it into a scouting session on Predators prospects. I was like, I was like, okay, I don't know anybody on this team. Who's actually good? Pontus Oberg was really good in that game, if you are a Predators-adjacent fan. I assume you like the stars mostly if you're listening to this podcast, but... Yeah, there aren't... Well, there shouldn't be any Predators adjacent fans that are listening to this because F the rest of the Central. <laughs> um, but uh, Honka was good. Honka was okay. Honka was okay. He tried. I mean, he Honka was, tried more than the rest of them. He, yeah, he was as good as anybody who lost by eight goals could be. <laughs> I mean, there's only so much he can do out there by himself. Exactly. When there are five other people on the other team. Right. No, I'm just saying, like, that he tried. He did. He tried pretty hard. A for effort. Julius, A for effort. I don't know. My my main concern about with with Honka being down in the AHL is the reason they were like, well, we just think he can do some things better to be a better NHLer. But we have Jamie Oleksiak. Well, but they can't send Jamie Alexiak down without putting him through waivers. We've had this conversation. We have had this conversation. On I this understand. Podcast. I understand that. I'm just saying, if you're comparing that, it's comparing apples and oranges. Except that they should do it anyway. I don't disagree. I know. I know. I'm just angry about it. This is my problem with the whole. Like I get, just find your courage. Find your inner Gryffindor, Nil. Find your courage. You probably do have an inner Gryffindor nil, and it's probably really just screaming to get out. Mm -hmm. Because that's the way Gryffindors do. They scream a lot. They do. Usually for no good reason. No good reason at all. (laughs) But you want to talk about some good goaltending? 
Is it going to be Stars goaltending? It is going to be Stars goaltending. Because I heard, I saw you on Twitter going on a rant about that earlier today. I, I did. I went on a huge rant about it today. I've been going on a rant about it every time I see it anywhere, so. So, it is no secret that the Stars are paying two goaltenders $10.5 million. Uh... It's actually a pretty well-kept secret. No, it's not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the Kremlin doesn't know about it. You know what? I bet you the Russians can find out whatever they want to find out. <laughs> Seems to be the case. Um, and it's also a well-known fact that the Stars goaltending was their Achilles heel last year. Mm-hmm. Because we talked about it last year. You can go lot. back and listen to the podcast. Uh, we talked about it a lot. And it's also a well-known fact that the Stars team average in all situations goaltending is third last in the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. What they don't seem to, what people don't seem to realize is all of this is because the Stars penalty kill has been completely shit at home. All of it. A hundred percent of the reason our goaltending looks awful on the paper right now is because the Stars' penalty kill has been bad at home. Just at home? Just at home. Because I looked it up today. So first and foremost, let's start out with the fact that Antiti Niemi has been a goddamn hero for the Stars this year. He has posted five-on-five save percentages as good as Sergei Bobrovsky, who is continually being talked about for... Wait a minute. You said it's been a, ter- a terrible thing at home? Yeah. The, because they want... And I had that backwards. Oh, on the road. No, I'm sorry. On the that road. terrible game against Philadelphia was in Philadelphia. No, no, no. You are, you are completely right. <laughs> yeah, on okay. the road. Okay, okay. I was like, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> Strike that. Reverse it. 100% because their penalty kill on the okay, road has been okay. bad. I was like, that. that's not right. <laughs> Uh, Antiniemi's save percentage at 5-on-5 five five is 0.17% worse than Sergei Bobrovsky, who is being talked about as a Vezina candidate. <laughs> Kari Lettinen's save percentage at 5-on-5 five five is almost the same as Pekarine, who is being considered a huge bounce-back story of the year. Antiniemi's Penalty kill percentage, which is mostly a home, or er, penalty kill save percentage, which is mostly at home because he's been pa- playing almost all the home games, is basically the same as Craig Anderson for the Ottawa Senators, who is being considered a you know story of the year by everybody for playing so damn well, and is the same as is better than again Pekarine, bounce back story of the year. But the problem is Kari Lettinen's save percentage on the penalty kill, which is second worst in the NHL of basically starting goaltenders. <laughs> you know who is the worst in the NHL of starting goaltenders? It's Crawford. It is. It is Corey Crawford. And you know what we can put two and two together is? Who had the worst penalty kill percentage in the entire NHL for a good half of the season? Was it the Blackhawks? It was the Blackhawks! Weird. Oh my god! Now, is Corey Crawford 
the worst goaltender in the world because his penalty kill percent save percentage is the worst? No. No. Is Corey Crawford probably going to be in the Vezina conversation this year? Probably. Yes! Why the fuck are we talking about the Stars penalty kill save percentage then and calling that the problem this year? Because nobody really cares to look at why we're losing. And there are Stars fans who are like, well, I don't excuse our save percentage on the penalty kill. Well, you know why you should? Because our fucking forwards and defensemen have played like shit. (laughs) Let's diagnose that problem. Let's diagnose that problem. Would it be fantastic if we had better goaltending? Yes. Yes. No one is saying it is not better to have better goaltending. But you want to talk about things that need to get fixed right away? The special teams. The special teams. Not the goddamn goaltending. And you know who deserves MVP trophy of the season so far? Auntie Niemi. Auntie Niemi. And that is Carolyn Rance about the Stars goaltending in probably, that was about five-ish minutes. <laughs> Maybe three. To me. I don't know. We've t- People just talk about how much money, like, how... Somebody was coming at me today with, like, saying, well, they would have signed Goligoski if they didn't have these two goaltenders. And no, they probably wouldn't have. No, they seem to be over Goligoski. Both, neither one of them, neither Nil nor Goligoski seemed upset with his decision to move on. Let's put it that way. There was no bad blood there. Both of them acknowledged he wanted a longer-term contract, and that was just not something Nil was willing to do. No, he's older. And I, yeah, I can't. I like Goligoski as a player quite a lot, but I also understand where both of them are coming from. Mm-hmm. And neither, I mean, neither you nor I, when this happened on, we, on the podcast, were like upset about it. No, I was, I, I was very, with both Daly and Goligoski, I was very upfront about being like, I wish you all the best, but it's pastime. Yeah. And Although I somewhat regret that regarding Goligoski, if we could have had him for at least another year of Klingberg's development, that would have been great. But yeah, he wasn't willing to take that term, so bye. Exactly, and you can't fault him for that, and I don't fault the stars for that. I don't. No, I don't fault him for following a paycheck anywhere. Uh-uh. He's got to support himself in his later years. Mm-mm. And apparently, he's become good buddy with uh, Mike Smith and his wife, and they went as um, sports trophies for Halloween. Like, they painted themselves all gold and stuff like that. Like, and, like, one of them had a tennis... They and their wives had, had like, tennis racket or, like, the bowling ball. And, like, it was really well done. I mean, that sounds really funny, but I just can't condone being friends with Mike Smith. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. You want Actually, you want to talk about other goaltenders who have been surprisingly good this year is Mike Smith. Mike Smith has kept the Coyotes out of the I don't understand basement. that. I don't under... mm, They're in the basement. Yeah, but he was injured for a lot of that, too. Oh. Well, you can't say he kept them out of the basement, because they're literally in the basement. Well, they weren't in the basement when he was there, then they went into the basement when he was not there, and now they've strung together three straight wins with him back. They're still in the basement. He's... Okay. They weren't in the basement when Mike Smith had a say. They are currently in the basement. You are correct. But out of the goaltending I mean, I'm never going to talk shit, but they've only won 11 games this year. You're never going to talk shit? Not about this, because we've only won 13. (laughs) (laughs) I am not not under any illusion that we're having a great season, so therefore I'm not going to throw a stone at somebody having a shit season. I'm just going to say, like, no, call a spade a spade. They're in the basement. No, you're right. You're right. I will say, though, that Mike Smith has been surprisingly good. 
he had a fucking game against CBJ where he saved 58 out of 60 shots and then they lost in the shootout. Yep. Like, that's... I don't feel bad. I don't like Matt Smith. (laughs) (laughs) I feel a little bad. I don't know. I mean, at that point, your goalie, like, they should just give you the win. No. That's not how sports works, Carolyn. Sports are dumb. <laughs> Weird. They're paying your paycheck. <laughs> uh, so we do have to ask. So we're gonna we're gonna have a special guest on right now. Uh, you may have met her, Doctor Marin, because we have a segment now. Thank you, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Called Doctor Marin Diagnosis. Now I am going to ask Doctor Marin. What the fuck is wrong? And she is going to tell me. Oh, we'll try. We are going to try this out. We're going to try this out because Carolyn wanted to talk about the Central Division. And I have only been paying attention to the stars because my focus has been very, very limited at this point in time. Just because of the crazy freaking year I've been having. So You have had a crazy year. It's been a weird time. Alright, so we are going to start at the top. Which is actually kind of a weird place to start because you know who is a leading. Very good place to start. <laughs> um, I believe it is Chicago leading, and not only is Chicago it has been leading for a while, even leading. though nobody sur- nobody <laughs> suspected this happening. Uh, not only is Chicago leading the Central, but Chicago is leading the NHL right now. So I want you. Wait, Chicago is leading the NHL as of this moment. Yes. Huh? They weren't. I don't think before they won either Saturday or Sunday. But okay. They are currently number 1 in the NHL with 48 points. What the fuck is wrong with this? Well, it seems to be that nobody thought that this would happen. So the f- fuck is wrong is that it's happening again. <laughs> is what I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm pretty sure that we all said that this was going to be the last year. Or last year was going to be the last year that the Chicago Blackhawks would do anything of import or notice. Because they are losing their, um, uh, their core to their stupid contracts. And yet, here we are again with them at the fucking top. So what seems to be the problem is that somebody on that team made a deal with a Crossroads demon, (laughs) is what seems to be the problem. And I suspect it might have been Corey Crawford, (laughs) who who sacrificed his PK save percentage to get the rest of the team in this position. So second up, we have the Minnesota Wild, who are on a win streak of seven games, sneaky sneaky. But what the fuck is wrong with the Central? And yet we still have the Wild winning seven games in a row. I mean, bears are scary. And (laughs) (laughs) there's still a bear, as far as I know, on their jersey. And they're probably just terrifying their opponents into clearing the space in front of the net. Also, Devin Dubnik's having a great year. (laughs) Like, yeah, he really is. I, um, there was this really great tweet... (laughs) No, 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 it wasn't. You know, I have Sam Gagne on a, um, tw- a Google alert. Right. So I got, I got this. Like, like you do. <laughs> like one does when 
one loves Sam Gagne. And an email that I got at one point, it just had only one article because nobody writes about this poor kid. And um, there was this one article and the headline was, do the Oilers ruin their players? (laughs) I was like, are you joking? (laughs) Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. If anybody was wondering, the answer is yes. And I just, I didn't click on it because I didn't want to read it, but I was just like, all you have to do is look at how these players are playing now that they've left. And I mean, Taylor Hall, it's still too soon to tell. But Sam Gagne having a banner year with CBJ, well, not a banner year, but having a good year with CBJ. Anyway. No, it's it's a fairly banner year. It's a fairly banner year. And um, uh, Devin Dubnik, <laughs> like, playing the way he's playing in Minnesota, where, like, he couldn't buy a save in Edmonton to save his life. And I was like, maybe that has to do with their system and has nothing to do with Devin Dubnik? Maybe? Who knows? It Spoilers, it was the Oilers system or lack thereof. <laughs> anyway, the thing that's wrong with that is nothing. Devin Dubnik is amazing. <laughs> St. Louis is oh, sitting in <laughs> You know what happened there? They traded their captain away, right? Mm-hmm. I can't even remember who they got in return. They didn't. We didn't trade him. He just left in free agency. Never mind. They left in free agency, so they had to fill that vo- that vacuum some- with something. And I feel like they probably filled it with a demon. <laughs> There's a lot of demons in the central, apparently. I watched the Supernatural Christmas episode today, <laughs> and it just reminded me of demons. Weird. Even though that Christmas episode is only old gods, it doesn't have anything to do with... It actually reminds me more of American gods than anything, but I didn't really want to bring that into this. We're splitting hairs. We're splitting hairs. Um, I mean, or maybe they just filled it with, I don't know, the trickster god. Maybe Loki is now playing on their team, and they're just like, ah, chaos! Okay. St. Louis at number three in the Western. This seems like it would be fun. Winnipeg has jumped the stars to number four. Tell you what's wrong with that is that the Winnipeg jumped the stars. <laughs> that's the thing that's wrong there. Also, I don't particularly like Winnipeg. So they're soaring like jets soar. Yeah, something like that. It's really cold there. <laughs> yes, it is. Maybe they just don't have anything to do other than practice hockey all day. That's the problem with Dallas is that it's so temperate that people go out and they do stuff. <laughs> and it distracts them. From playing hockey, right? I can't say no to that. that I mean, probably happens. It is an outdoor living kind of state. It is. It's very much. So. I mean, like, yeah, it was thirty something degrees yesterday, but people in the north are laughing at that. So yeah, there. Then there wasn't like snow or anything. No, it was just cold. Literally just cold. No snow. It was no. even sunny. It was sunny and cold. Sunny and cold. I know because I had I had. Uh, family Christmas yesterday because they're all spending with their in-laws so like my nephews wanted to play outside because it was sunny and didn't get that it was cold because they're two (laughs) so we took them outside (laughs) and they played around it was great (laughs) I stayed inside where it was warm at number five what the fuck is wrong with Dallas this year well I believe that we've had this conversation on several um, occasions, but I believe that one of our biggest problems, and this is not funny, this is just true, is our that our roster. Um, the fact that we lost so many forwards to start the year, and the fact that we don't have the right kind of defensemen right now. Because clearly it's not goaltending. 
Um, clearly, for it's, once in our lives, for once in our lives, it's not goaltending. It's it, I think it's roster composition at this point in time, and we don't have we don't have the right defenseman to play with Klingberg. Don't. I have twelve more days. Go ahead, say it. Go. Just once in my life. Um, it's happened once. Give me a long streak of games. At least four or five. If you could just do it so she would shut up about it, that would be a real big help to me. It would be a Christmas gift to me. And I think, I mean... And Marin, because I'd shut the fuck up. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the biggest, one of the bigger problems, too, is our goal differential and the fact that uh, we suck at that. We do suck at that. I mean, and... We don't suck as much as Colorado. Thank God. So moving on to number six, what the fuck is wrong with Nashville? That I don't understand. Because what I really wanted to happen is for Shea Weber and P.K. Subban to have traded these spots, and then for Montreal to just, like, go in the pisser and tank everything, and Nashville to, like, I didn't want them to win the cup, but I wouldn't have minded if they had a banner year themselves. But, like... No, what happened is the opposite. <laughs> and Montreal is having this great freaking year when I absolutely hate that organization. And Nashville is having this crappy year. And you know what I think happened? Is that Ribeiro's stank got all over P.K. Subban's loveliness. It's the last year of his contract. Thank God. I just, you know, I'm going to knock on wood on that one because he can always be re-signed. Well, yeah, and they were like, we stand by him and he, we believe blah, 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 and all that shit they were saying when they first signed him. Like, it's bullshit, and it's always been bullshit. So I don't know what's wrong with Nashville, but it kind of makes me sad because all I want in this world is good things for P.K. Subban. Me too. Although all I wanted last year were good things for Phil Kessel, and the Penguins were also shitty in December and went on to win the Cup. And like I said, don't want Nashville to win the Cup, but I wouldn't mind if they again started being good again just for P.K. Subban. Boom. That's our hopeful. That's our that's our Christmas wish. And there is literally, by the way, nothing wrong with number seven. <laughs> number this is seven where they be, belong. <laughs> number seven would be Colorado. <laughs> this is exactly where Colorado belongs and always has and always will because <laughs> F Colorado. You know, it's actually really funny. So I did a bunch of these time elapsed charts um, the other day, and it's I like looking at scoring chances the most. It's like it's. Um, by definition, just kind of like the really dangerous shots when you get down below the face-off dots mm-hmm. and in close. And just looking at that percentage, and I like looking at Corsi, which, you know, most people do look at. And I like looking at both of them because it kind of tells you what, like, are you just winning the shot battle in I close? just remembered the name of Hitler's Tea House in German. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I'm wearing historically troubling socks today. Okay. What is the name of Hitler's tea house? It is the Kelstein House. The Kelstein House. Kelstein House. You have to say house. House. Yes. The Kelstein House. Kelstein House. Um, they have a beaver and Edelweiss and the Kelstein House on them. I bought them in Germany. No. I think I was in Austria at that point. I think it might be in Austria. It's on the top of an alp. Okay. A singular alp. Because it's just the one mountain. <laughs> Good to know. I'm sorry, it came to my mind and I had to say it out loud or I'd lose it again. Speaking of Colorado, <laughs> I did these time elapsed graphs because you know how I put out, you know, those, the, the 
every couple days, you know, where everybody is on the scoring chances and stuff like that. So I looked at this, I plotted it, you know, kind of every 10 days or so. And if you look at the chart here, so it starts at 1019, that was their very first, kind of goes up and gets to like good place in Corsi for a couple weeks. And then it gets over to kind of a good place in scoring chances or a better place in mm -hmm. scoring chances and a decent place in Corsi. But then from 1122, to the 12-3, it just goes right it's back. Like it took a nosedive. It just took a nosedive. Like, it was like, okay, get Bednar's plan is working. Bednar's plan is working. We're getting better. We're getting better. Fuck it all! Burn it! <laughs> I mean, man, yeah, that is that is some aggressive tanking right there. And I don't, like, I, I don't even remember, like, thinking, like, like, you know, when Steven Stamkos went down, like, everybody was like, holy fuck, Tampa's gonna have some problems now. But, like, I, don't I think they've had any big injuries. Right. Like, I can't think of a Stamkos-like I don't, injury. No. I mean, correct us if we're wrong, Colorado fans, although what are you doing listening to this podcast? Um, but We're not nice to your team on this podcast. No, we kind of hate them. Also, I really hate Landis Cog. Also, your, just... your goalie is a POS. <laughs> there, there, I think there's nothing more amusing to me than your Landis Cog hate. <laughs> apparently it's a like a lot of people find that amusing because that so many people just don't get it and i'm like mm. like i mean i kind of don't really like him as a player because he throws a lot of borderline hits and i'm not into yeah that. yeah but your hate goes well beyond that like there's a level of petty to your landiscog hate that can only be attained by certain members of it's like a, a buddhism of pettiness it is <laughs> <laughs> It is. <laughs> I have achieved the zen of pettiness. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe he shouldn't have stolen or just called her. <laughs> and that is what's wrong with the Central. Uh, the weather is too good. There's a lot of demons. And some things are just meant to be. I mean, how else do you how else would you explain Chicago being on top? demons uh, that's it right that's the only explanation the only explanation. somebody has done something supernaturally wonky up there boom done they certainly don't deserve all of that reader questions sure reader questions you're gonna have to ask the first ones because they're stats questions unless you want to answer them you are welcome to answer. <laughs> no I'm okay gonna play on my phone while you talk for like <laughs> 10 minutes about this bullshit. I'm just kidding. Thank you very much for asking questions. This is great. But I don't really have anything amazingly interesting to say about these questions. So, the Black Beast asks, advanced stats are great and informative, but are not always available. What can we learn looking at more standard metrics, such as goals against average, plus minus, etc.? You can learn nothing looking at plus minus. Additionally, I, I don't even... I know that one. <laughs> that was correct. <laughs> Thank you. Additionally, what what are we pretty certain they are not telling us? Perhaps traditional might be a better word than standard. Sorry. Um, I actually don't think there's <laughs> anything particularly wrong with looking at um, goals against average as a team defense measure mm -hmm. because it certainly does combine defense and goaltending into a single stat and and i also don't mind looking at goals per game and goals you know goals for per game and goals against per game if you're looking for like team level output um and for that matter i don't mind looking at team level goal differential which is not the same thing at all as plus minus 
Um, just literally, with goal differential, you're just looking at goals for minus goals against. And caveat on that, unfortunately, you can't use the NHL.com's goal differential because they count shootout win goals as goals for. What? Yes. What? Yes. Oh my god. Why yeah. are their stats so broken? Yeah. So unfortunately that's I is that it might be too advanced for NHL.com to use goal differential. Uh, well, I think that's fine as far as the stars go, because I don't think we've gone to a shootout. We have not gone to a shootout, but for, <laughs> most teams have gone to shootouts so far, and um, shootout goal, shootout losses are considered less a goal, and shootout wins are considered plus a goal, mm-hmm. and that's bullshit. But I think you can learn some stuff using goals against average and goals per game and things like that. I think I think goals are important. Um, and goals can be predictive of future goals, which is one thing that the advanced stats community is really important is important to is is this just a descriptive metric or can it predict future results? And goals can do that. The problem with goals is that they don't do it as well as other metrics, such as shot attempts, um, Corsi, which is you know otherwise known as shots or shot attempts. Um, shots on goal are important. Um, as well, because obviously that helps. And again, can be predictive, not as good as other stuff. And that's kind of the whole point of advanced stats, is that we're, we're taking some stuff that we already know is good, and we're trying to make it better. <coughs> um, what are we pretty certain we're not telling us? Plus minus tells you absolutely fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. Um, it, the rules behind plus minus are convoluted, it overrates people who play a lot of ice time or underrates people who play a lot of ice time. There's absolutely no accounting for any sort of strength of team. You don't get dinged for goals on against on the penalty kill, but you do get dinged for goals against on the power play. You so if you pay, play a lot of power play time, you're gonna you could potentially, especially if you're on the stars, you could look worse than you would if you were on the penalty kill. <coughs> it's just a bad stats for many many reasons. Alexander Ovechkin was a negative fifty that time that he was like competing for the rocket. Or the same year he won the rocket Richard, wasn't he? He he has had a plus <coughs> minus of several years, and people always talk about him as a poor defensive player because of his bad plus minus mm-hmm. but over the recent years he i mean barry trotz and his systems have helped a lot with the capitals defensive structure um but over the last two years i don't think alex ovechkin has become a completely different hockey player i mean feel free to disagree but I don't feel like over the last two years he's been a completely different hockey player, but he has put up some of the best defensive numbers as a forward in the league. Mm-hmm. He and Nick Backstrom both mm-hmm. have put up some really great shots against numbers um, and are underrated defensively. And But their plus-minus, while having improved, is certainly not anywhere near you would expect like a Patrice Bergeron type of defensive forward. Or a Jonathan Tibbs. Or a Jonathan Tibbs. Who yeah. keeps winning that freaking award. So... Or, you know, Kopitar. Yeah. Somebody like that. So, yeah, plus minus, super flawed. Don't ever use it. Um, there are certain, like, 
Save percentage is not a bad stat. It's not a great stat, but it's not a bad stat. Save percentage is one that's actually not predictive. Like you have, it takes a lot of shots before you can get any confidence that what you did last time is going to do it. It's going to happen again. Um, so yeah, I think if you're going to go traditional stats, keep go keep them goal focused goals per game, goals against per game, and make sure that you're using them mostly on a team basis, if you can. Shots. Individual shots are fine, I guess. Cool. Sorry. You're fine. A lot of stats talk. Do you want to ask the second question as well, or do you want me to read it and ask it and answer it? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll give this a whirl. When score effects are taken into account, is it a percentage based on how all teams perform with or without the lead and measurement based on formula at all times? What I'm asking is, can we expect arbitrarily for team with lead to drop off a certain percentage while trailing team is expected to gain back a certain percentage? And if so, is same measurement used for all teams? Um... So I think the question itself is a little bit... So here's kind of how score effects work, right? So we talked a little bit about it earlier in the podcast with me saying, you know, everything goes away basically by the time you have three goals. Right. But again, the idea is that in all sports, every single one where scores are kept, um, other than maybe baseball score effects, or score effects happen. Um, So soccer, basketball, hockey... All of it. Score effects happen. So I think to answer your question, can we arbitrarily expect a team with a lead to drop off? I think arbitrarily is a little bit of a uh, leading adjective because it's not arbitrary at all. And the way score effects, uh, score adjustment works is that people go in and they find the correct coefficient for the amount of how valuable a shot is to a leading team when they already have that one goal lead or that two goal lead or a three goal lead. Because if you know for a fact that it's a close game, an extra goal is worth more, right? Like it's going to defeat your opponent more than if you've got three goal lead and you just need you know, you're putting in another shot on goal and you're putting another shot on goal. So whenever, so that having that kind of coefficient and adjusting any shot when leading is either going to, you know, is basically going to give it, look, make you look better. Or if you're already trailing, those shots are less valuable because we already know you're going to take more shots because you're already trailing. And I know I'm kind of explaining it poorly, but there's actually some really, really good work already written on score effects and how score adjustment is done. Um, and I'll do some links for it in the podcast post. Um, Micah McCurdy is probably my f- favorite one to read. And he really explains it really well. And he also goes into why you need to use score adjusted numbers instead of like close numbers or raw numbers or um, anything like that. Close numbers are actually the worst. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, just kind of think of it this way. So let's say, let's say the Dallas Stars are up on, who do we hate the most right now? That we play? 
Anybody. Just pick we, a good we, team. We hate Colorado the most. Okay, we hate Colorado the most. So let's say... <laughs> we especially hate playing in Colorado. We do. So let's say the Stars have a one-goal lead on the Colorado Avalanche. Well, and again, I'm kind of picking numbers out of thin air here, but if we would expect the Avalanche to then press really hard and try and get that goal back, right? Mm -hmm. So we expect the Avalanche to take more shots. Because we already know they're going to take more shots, from a statistical perspective, those shots are worth less. So for every shot that they take, we're only going to credit them point you know 75 percent of a shot so 0.75 percent but because we expect the stars to shoot less we're going to credit them more when they do so we're basically acting like the score is tied which means that for every shot the stars take we're giving them one and a quarter shots so then when you come out to a percent if the stars in real terms, take two shots, but the Avs take two shots. In a score-adjusted Corsi, the Stars are going to come out on top. It's not going to be 50-50. Because we expect the Stars to take fewer shots than we so expect So what you're Avs. doing is explaining score effects. Are you answering his question about score effects? Well, I think the idea is that it's not arbitrary at all. Okay. Um, is the same measurement used for all teams? Yes. When you get the same, when you get something from Corsica or when you get something from MICA in effective math, they're using the same version of score effects for all teams, but the score effects are done based on the shots the teams take. Right, so if the team is always playing... Oh, I see. I, I read his question, but I didn't actually read his question, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, I do. Um, so let's say, for instance, the Stars, which have been playing with the, playing trailing a lot this season, are getting basically downgraded on all the shots they're taking, because they're constantly behind, so they're trying to take more shots. Sure. Whereas um, Montreal has had a lot of leads this season, so they're getting more value for the shots that they're putting out there because they have a lot of lead time. So the actual adjustment is being done on the shot itself at the time it is taken based on whatever the score is at that time. Right. So it's not arbitrary at all. The measurements are done in a very, you know, well-modeled manner, and I'll link the thing so you can read about it. Um, and the same adjustment is used for all team, but the measurement of it is all based on the exact score at the time of the shot is taken. So it doesn't matter if your team is losing a lot, you're getting the same adjustment, but you're getting the same value for your shots that any other losing team would get. Cool. Okay. That's a lot of stats talk. That was a lot of stats talk. So Tom Dorsa asked, Las Vegas said they'll be announcing their AHL affiliate in late December. Team nickname slash location suggestions. So, they have apparently been wanting to stay at least in the same time zone as their, mm -hmm. like, other, um, as their NHL affiliates. Mm hmm So, my suggestion for location, let me make sure that I am thinking of the right city. I am. It's Reno. <laughs> I was like, Reno is not that... Oh, yes. Okay, that's in Nevada. Yes, my suggestion is Reno. 
And my, um, read the Rena Flamingos. That sounds, that really rolls off the tongue, it right? It does. It has the Reno Flamingo. Rena, Rena Flamingo. And it could be the Ringo Flamingo. <laughs> Ringo? Reno. But you know what I meant. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that, that, I think it should be the Reno Flamingos. I, um, it's kind of a serious answer. So apparently, so I was talking to Sean Shapiro about this, who does a lot of age, he used to do a lot of AHL reporting. Until he was hired by the NHL. Until he was hired by the NHL. Um, and so he had some really good insight into it. And apparently, um, they were looking at Salt Lake City for a second, because they've had a really well done ECHL team there for quite some time. I didn't know it. Yeah. So they had the Salt Lake, I think they're the Grizzlies or something. I mean, something boring. So Salt Lake City has had a pretty good hockey market for a while. And so I would bet that that's where I would put my, my AHL team if mm-hmm. I could, or just kind of upgrade the ECHL team, basically. Um, but I'd call them the teetotalers, since Salt Lake City is a dry county. Because it's 99% Mormon and 99% they don't drink. 99% Mormon. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. So, yeah. I, I would, but so I the teetotal is there, I'm assuming, is the joke part of your yes, answer. That, that, Whereas Salt Lake City was a, was a legit. Legit. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. I yeah. still like Reno Flamingos. I like Reno Flamingo. I love anything that has like a little rhyme in it. Yeah. That's my favorite. Uh, all right, let me ask you Tanner Wilson's question, because I don't know anything. I mean, I don't really, world junior, whatever. Uh, <laughs> thanks for asking us this question, Tanner Wilson. Um, are you interested in the upcoming world junior, um, what does the C stand for? Conference? Championship. Championship. See, I don't even know. Uh, world junior championship. I've, I've never had occasion to watch it, because the NHL has always been going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I don't really follow prospects, or, like, the rookies on teams, so, sorry. It's not that I hate this tournament, I just don't watch it. Especially with a growing chance of Dallas native Caleb Jones playing. We have another local representing the USA at Major International Tournament. Fresco's Allison Simpson, Shattuck St. Mary's under 16, has been named to the U18 Women's World Champion coming up in January. Are you interested? So basically, are you interested in the World Junior Championship? I am not a prospect person. I get like, I get kind of excited a little bit around draft time, but honestly, I get really weirded watching, weirded out watching like children play children hockey. play hockey for money. Here, yeah, right? um, but I think it is really, really cool how much representation Texas is starting to get. Caleb Jones is, by the way, Seth Jones's little brother. Oh, well, that's yeah. fun. So, um, and it's kind of hilarious because every time we see... I didn't even think to ask because there's Jones is such I, a... Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I pointed it out. I was yeah. like, no one would know if you don't follow. Um, but yeah, so I think it's really, really cool how much, like, you're starting to see Texas come up. And it's funny because we were... I, you know, I was reading a bunch of stuff about recently about um, franchises and expansion teams and non-traditional market teams, and they were talking about how it really takes about a generation for a non-traditional market team to make a splash because you—that's when you get your first wave of children growing up with the team and then becoming season ticket holders and things like that and really buying into the sport. And so that's what you're seeing right now with. Austin Matthews coming out of Arizona and Seth Jones tearing up the NHL and now Caleb Jones um, guy was just from the Ducks was just here uh, Philip Nosen no, no, I don't know but he's on the Ducks but he grew up in 
Frisco, mm-hmm. and now he's playing in the NHL, and he, he had something like 300 people at the Stars game the other night when the Ducks were in town, and lost, and <laughs> just like, sorry, not sorry, <laughs> little Dallas native. <laughs> As a Jones aside, do you know why it's such a common last name? I do not. When I was in ninth grade, we did this whole thing about last names and where they come from, and they come they come from several different places. And the most common place is from your not most common two most common are from your occupation, which is why there are so many Smiths in the world mm-hmm. uh, and Millers and all of those. And then the other most common place is from is patronymic, so it is um, like Jones is like saying this is Thomas Johnson. Uh, Caleb Johnson and it got like so that's why there's a lot of Johnsons but Jones is just a shortened form of this is Johnson I did not know that you're welcome and John is like one of the world's most popular first names yeah, for sure forever for sure thanks Christianity um so yeah that's what really excites me is that we're starting to see all of these yeah non-traditional kids grow up and that is be like, successful I, mean, I- I'm sorry for being flippant about the World Junior Championship. I just, like, it's just not something I've ever made it a point to watch. Um, the only year that I did was the lockout year, <laughs> because that was the only hockey going on. Um, and when I say the lockout year, I meant the most recent one, not any that came before it. Um, but I, I'm not, I don't know who these kids are most of the time. I haven't been watching their careers. I don't, I don't really pay attention to... And like any of the prospect stuff, although I mean, like it, while it's exciting that all mm-hmm. these kids are coming up, like I'll be more excited when they get to the NHL. I did watch actually the other day, and there's another one coming up, I believe, on the 21st. The there's an exhibition challenge going on right now between USA women and Canadian then Canada women, and um, that was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of names there that like I recognize from the CWHL and the NWHL too, but they also have a lot of NCAA players. Oh, that's cool. Because they can do that, right? Yeah. Um, whereas in the men's, you don't really see NCAA go to a lot of those national tournaments anymore. Right. So that's really cool. And I, I so that's fun too. So if you're interested in women's hockey, I believe the next exhibition game is on the 21st for that. The last one they showed at uh, on NBCSN. Oh, that's cool. It was really cool. So. Cool, cool. Um, I will ask you this next question. <laughs> it's a series of many questions. Okay, yeah. So, so I will ask you this next series of questions. Cindy has many questions for us this week. Why is the drop pass entry suddenly working on the power play? Why is Sagan selling his house? Does he not plan to renew his contract? What would you do in response to Spezza getting that mad at you? Uh, in reference to his fight with Brandon Manning, which was not at all attractive. Forget goal songs and walk-up songs. What ringtones would you use for each star player and for Sam Gagne? Okay, so I'm going to answer these in reverse order. Um, do I have to use each... Do I have to do each stars player? You can do your favorite... You can pick a, a mix of stars players. Okay, so... Um, my ringtone for Sam Gagne is going to be Walking on Sunshine. <laughs> Because that's just how he makes me feel. I love him. He is the best. He's great. Um, uh, Jamie Ben has got to be like, like zippity doodah. You know, like just something that's kind of like, like, 
do really cute, but also like not a lot going on upstairs. <laughs> I had a friend uh, I am me the other day when like he's not a Stars fan, so he was, but he was randomly watching the Stars game that was on that night, and he goes, "Does Jamie Ben always look like that?" <laughs> he goes, it's, it's, yes. <laughs> Does Jamie Ben ever? Which part are you talking about? The answer is yes. Does he always look like he ate all your hot pockets and then didn't remember whether or not you told him you could? <laughs> Oh my god. Oh jeez, that hurts a little inside. That's so funny though. That would be my Jamie Ben ringtone. The the uh What are you gonna pick? Hot pockets. <laughs> no, it's that you know the comedian Hot Pockets. Oh my Jim Gaffigan! I don't know. The Jim Gaffigan Hot Pockets <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my god, I will show you that when when we're off the podcast. It's uh, fucking hilarious. Um, Patrick Sharp is gonna have to be sharp dressed man. Obs, mm, obs. Jason Spezza is probably one of those like pro- probably one of the songs from Pete's Dragon. It's a razzle dazzle day. <laughs> you know what I? You know, Antoine Roussel keeps like the original Nokia ringtone and then never shuts it off. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, for sure. Because he is but the ultimate adjective. Isn't this what 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 we choose if they were calling us? I don't know, but I'm uh, just saying. Yeah, I'm just oh, saying. Yeah, because if we're talking about what they use as their ringtone, Jamie Ben has never changed a ringtone in his damn life. The only custom ringtone he has is for his girlfriend, and it's because she went into his phone and did it for him. And it's probably. probably like some awesome thing because she is the awesomest person. It's Beyonce who runs the world. Uh, it is. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. And that is also my ringtone for Tyler Sagan. <laughs> Just to remind him. <coughs> Fuck. Don't hurt yourself. Also, somebody's ringtone. <laughs> Jordy Ben is gonna have to be one of the songs from Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Because he looks like a mountain man. Oh, It's probably the Sobbin' Women song. Um, what would you do in response to Jason Spezza getting that mad at you? I would probably curl up in a circle and cry because, like, I would have to have done something terrible for him to be that mad at me. Like, let's be real. Like, I'm really success- susceptible to the disappointed face. Yeah. Like, I, you don't even need to get no, mad. No, You can just be disappointed. And he probably does a really good disappointed face. Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, so, yeah. No. I, I, my response to that would just be like, oh, I'm sorry. What did I do? How can I fix it? Like, I I felt so, like, conflicted after that fight because I definitely was like, holy fuck, that was very attractive. <laughs> I, like, I mean, he just dropped him. <laughs> like, it's true. He doesn't fight often, and sometimes it's not pretty when he does, but man. He hadn't fought since, like, 2009. And that was against Patrick Sharp. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'm fan of my Wait, no, his first fight was against Patrick His Sharp. first fight was against Patrick Yeah, Sharp. yeah. The last fight was against... Somebody... Oh, damn enough. That's who it was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, why is Tyler Sagan selling his house? He... Uh, come on. First of all, he's got a lot of years left in his contract, so that can't have anything to do with it. My guess would be he wants to live in a lower-profile house. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, like, that honestly is my guess, is that he probably... 
doesn't like people knowing where he lives. Because yeah. uh, I found out from people who live in Dallas that it's not even a gated community. So, yeah, if I was J- Tyler Sagan, I would definitely live in a gated community. Oh, frick yeah, man. Yeah. What's funny to me, though, is that a lot of people don't kind of realize this. Like, they think of him as, like, an athlete and as somebody who makes a lot of money. And he does make a lot of money. But, like, in Dallas... He doesn't make that much money, comparatively. Not compared to the oil barons of Dallas. Yeah. And so, like, there's a lot of places that, like, he probably can't even get into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would, I would say, I would, I would suspect that's probably true. Even, even with how much money he does make. Um, but I mean, like, he's had things happen, like that giant duck being inflated in his backyard, that, which is a funny story, sort of. But it's also a pretty creepy story because none of his teammates came up and took any ownership for yeah. that. Which means it probably was a fan. Which is creepy. Like, somebody... Or a friend. Yeah. Which I feel like he, again, would have probably said something if it had yeah. been a friend. You know what I mean? Like, either way, people shouldn't have unfettered access to people's houses. And it's very... Like, he hasn't made it a, a, a secret of where he lives. Right. Unlike Jamie Ben. Because <laughs> everybody knows he lives in Madonna's house. Yeah, everybody knows he lives in Madonna's house. So, I mean, like, it's just... I, I would imagine he's selling his house to live a little more under the radar. Yep. That would be my guess. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but no, come on. Why would he not renew his contract? Also, he's, again, got a lot of years left on it. Yeah, he's got two years left on it, I think. Yeah, so, like, like, why would he be selling his house now, two years in advance? No. And uh, he's he's definitely going to re-sign with Dallas. Like, and, and if there was any doubt, like, look at how they handled Jamie Benn's contract. Like, he's already extended. Yeah. And his contract isn't up until the end of the year. Yeah. So, they extended him not on, like, they could extend him on July 1st. I think it got done on July 2nd or 3rd. Something like that. Like, yeah. it's it's not yeah. going to be. It's, no. Um, and then, why don't you answer why this drop pass entry question? Because I know that you've been looking at zone entries a lot recently. Um, the drop pass zone entry actually gets a bad rap, but it's effective across the league. And so that's why they keep trying it, frankly, is because it's good at spreading out your de- at the, the spreading out the defenders on the penalty kill at the blue line. Whereas what happens is what the stars get into trouble when like the defenders line all four of them basically or all like, three of them stack up against the blue line and then they have a lot of reach and can defend a lot of area and the drop pass forces them to kind of spread out a little bit. Because then they've already got three, four people rushing in and then the one guy falling back. So those four people rushing in can kind of clear out the blue line and make some space for that person with the puck coming in. And that's why it works. So, but why is it suddenly working better for the stars than it had been? Because stuff happens like that. (laughs) I mean, yeah, because I mean, honestly, like the, the... The NHL is streaky, and there are certain ways you can defend the drop pass if you know it's coming a lot, which penalty killers do, but across the board, across the league, the drop pass zone en- or the drop pass zone entry works quite well. Right. So. Cool. Why don't you ask me the next question, because you haven't seen it yet. I will do so. Billy asks, what was your favorite part about Star Wars Rogue One? Uh, it was that very spoilery thing that I'm not going to talk about because I don't want to spoil other people who haven't seen this movie. Namely, my co-podcaster, Carolyn Wilkie, who has not yet seen it. Hopefully you're going to go over Christmas. Um, there were a lot of good things about Rogue One. And to not spoil, not to be, you know, there was that thing that people 
there was that there was that review, and I can't remember who wrote it. It might have been Vanity Fair, where they were like, "Rogue One is the first Star Wars movie to acknowledge that it's about a war." And then like people were making fun of it because it's like literally called Star Wars. But after watching Rogue One, I understand what they meant, and I'm not laughing about that that anymore because mm-hmm. like the the other seven movies in the in the franchise are. With notable ex- exceptions, like the end of whatever the third of the prequels was with, like, Anakin limbless on the side of a lava flow, like, yelling. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously that was pretty fucking dark. But, like, other than that, it's very, it's campy. You know what I mean? Like, it's good campy fun. Ewoks. Ewoks. The third of the original trilogy has fucking Ewoks saving the goddamn day with spears. Okay, like... It gets a little ridiculous. Um, the most famous scene from... Not the most famous, but one of the most famous scenes from early in there is that big sandworm that's in the, again, they're getting pushed into that. And then there's also the trash compactor. Like, there's just a lot of silliness going on in those. And then it continues in the new version, in the new movie, The Force Awakens, which I thought was great, but was, again, campy gee was fun. This was not campy gee was fun. This was actually, like... It was like watching a war movie, but with space shit. I do like space shit. I love space shit, too. But it, like, it was a real war with real consequences and, like, very timely imagery. Mm-hmm. If, if I can say that without, again, getting too spoilery. But, I mean, it, it was very, very... Whereas I would have no problems taking my seven-year-old nephew to see any of the rest of them, except, again, maybe the end of the third prequel... I wouldn't take him to see Rogue One. There you go. Like, it, it's not it's not meant for children. Um, and it would, I feel like, would probably be pretty disturbing for some children. Especially my tender-hearted little nephew. So, anyway. Um, but it was great. I liked it a lot and would see it again in a heartbeat um, in a couple weeks. <laughs> when, when I've gotten over some things. <laughs> So I'll ask you this question, but we can both answer it. Shani's Land would like to know, what's y'all's favorite Christmas uh, holiday movie? Um, my absolute number one is Love Actually. I watch it every year. Um, but Die Hard, the first, is my number two. And then... Okay, but I understand that Die Hard takes, time, takes place during Christmas time. Can we keep it to actual holiday movies? Die Hard does not happen if it's not Christmas. There it is for it is a Christmas movie. He is literally flying to LA for Christmas to hang out with his estranged wife and try and win her back. And then terrorism. I don't know why I bothered to ask you to actually pick a holiday movie when you've already picked Die Hard as your second favorite holiday movie. My third favorite is Nightmare Before Christmas. Sometimes I wonder how we're friends. (laughs) I enjoy a lot of holiday movies, though. I do. It's not that I dislike holiday movies. um, I just watched. So I rewatched White Christmas recently because Josh Lyle was telling me that I really needed to give it a second shot, and it was good. I liked it better the second time, but I don't really like it. And I, I need to pack it. up and go home right now. I love musicals. I just wasn't a big fan of White Christmas. Okay, so first off, my favorite Christmas movie ever in all of existence is A Muppet Christmas Carol. That's a great choice. My number two is White Christmas and Fuck Your Hate. <laughs> and my number three is Elf. 
I haven't seen Elf. I know you haven't. We're gonna fix this after the game. After the game. After the podcast. What What did you not like about White Christmas? It wasn't that I disliked it. You know, it wasn't like I actively disliked it. It was just fine. Like, it was fine. I loved Bing Crosby singing. I liked the singing. I liked the dancing. It was just... Uh, it was fine. I, like... I feel like trust is gone from our relationship right now. <laughs> like, I just don't trust anything else that's going to come out of your mouth for the rest of this time. Um, so let me let me do a follow-up on Chaney's Land's one real quick. What is the most, in your mind, overrated of the Christmas movies? Uh, or the one that you're tired yes, of hearing no, about. Yes, I know. I'm just, I can't remember the name of it anymore because I don't ever... All right, well, just describe to what happens and I'll probably, might be able to... It's the one with Jimmy Stewart. Oh, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. I can sort of see that. Um, I'm, same as White Christmas. I'm, uh, I'm tired of a Christmas story. I'm a little tired of that, too. And you know what's honestly really... I get why. I get why it's a cult classic and can't be fun. I'm just tired of it, personally. Well, so here's my thing I'm about... also tired of people telling me that Die Hard is their favorite goddamn Christmas movie. It's my second favorite. Whatever. I'm still tired of it being on anyone's top list. So here's my thing about A Christmas Story, is my mom's second husband had all of these cassette tapes, because I'm old, of the... Uh, you want to know how old I am? We had fucking Betamax, so <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but he had, no, these were like, and he would have them in his car, and it was all that same comedian who... Oh, 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 oh you mean, okay, you mean... Yeah, no, tapes. but he had like six of these cassette tapes of the same comedian who wrote a Christmas story. So I heard a Christmas story on this cassette tape every Christmas before I knew it was a movie. Oh. And so weird. like I knew it as the red right like so all I hear is this guy's voice in my head and he talks about the gravy boats and stuff like that. And like this is what I experience as a Christmas story is me listening to this cassette tape when we're driving down the road, you know, Christmas time in Boston. Not as a movie. So, like, it's a very weird experience for me to watch A Christmas Story when that is entirely opposite of my memory. Mm -hmm. I grew up watching it, and I feel like I have watched it so many times that it's one of those things where it's, like, it's not even a real movie in my head anymore. It's just a collection of, like, incredibly quotable scenes. Mm -hmm. um, and the couple of times I've tried to watch it since being a child, I'm just kind of like, this is... All right, this is happening. All mm -hmm. right, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. It was funny when I was watching it as a child, and now that I've grown up, I'm like, all right, let's watch literally anything else. You know, watch one people always tell me that they really love, and I do love romantic comedies, but I watched it with my mom last Christmas, and I wasn't a huge fan. The Holiday. Is that the one where they swap houses? It is. I love that movie. I thought... Some of it was super cute. Like, I loved Kate Winslet's relationship with her neighbor. Mm-hmm. And, but some of it I was just like, I don't care. Some of it I could have taken her, well, it's not, obviously it's not on the my top three list. Um, I, I like that one just fine. Um, I really love, I love Kate Winslet's story with, with the neighbor. Obviously that one was awesome. Um, and, uh. I really like cute Christmas in England. That was adorable. But I also am kind of 
skeptical that that's the way the whole thing would actually work. Right. It seems like it's a very, I mean, it's obviously just a very convenient thing for a holiday movie. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, it was a cute, it was a, it was a cute movie to me. It's a cute one. It's better than what I get angry every time she runs back from the car, though. I'm like, you couldn't have just asked the car to turn around because, like, you ran in heels, like, miles down this road. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> By the time you got to him, you would be so sweaty and out of breath. And disgusting. And, and your disgusting. feet would hurt. Yeah, like, no, nobody believes this is actually what happened. We just spoiled the end of that movie. I'm sorry. Oh, by the way, she runs back to him in her high heels <laughs> through the snow. It's lame, but also Spoiler great. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The first time I watched it, my heart was like... <gasps> and then after that, I was kind of like, but that's dumb. <laughs> and that's all we have for you today. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> the first time we watched it. I'm Carolyn. You can find me on Twitter at Classlicity. I'm Marin. You can find me on Twitter at Marinish. And you can find our official Twitter at Depart Hockey. And you can email us if you have a longer question, comment, or concern at DeparthHockey at gmail.com. Um, we also have a Tumblr that we never actually update. DepartHockey.tumblr.com. And a website that we update occasionally. DepartHockey.wordpress.com. Um, happy holidays! I hope you get to sleep a lot and get good presents. I'm taking a whole week off after Christmas. It's great! Happy holidays! Bye! Bye. You smell of beef and cheese!